panic at the disco is always an interesting time. You never want panic when you're discoing. I mean, more like panic in Dallas right now, everyone. We're trading John Klingberg <laughs> away, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. We're kind of just uh, celebrating mourning the death of a season. I guess we can talk about Yuri Lettinen because that's fun, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a positive we can talk about, yeah. Is the season over? Yeah, I think the uh, the season ended at about uh, 8, 30, 9 o'clock central time last night. I actually don't know. I'm kind of just ballparking it. But yeah, the season ended uh, approximately February 12th of uh, 2017. If you're, if you're going to kind of put together a triumphant of moments to define the Dallas Stars season... I think there's the uh, there's last night obviously, where they last had a, night's a big number one. Last no. night was the entire microcosm of the season. Oh yeah, last night was number one for sure. Um, but and then if you're talking about the triumph of the top three, I think we also go back and we look at two days ago where uh, Yuri Hoodler puts the puck in his own net against Ottawa. That, that's up there. Yeah. Yep. And the uh, and the blown three on zero in, o- in overtime against Washington. That one's up there as well. I think that's a. Well, that was the um, Deadspin had that article about Hitler putting the puck into his own net. No, wait, maybe it was Puck Daddy. I don't remember which one it was, but it was uh, Dallas Stars score into their own empty net because this season, man. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's – Jim Nill this morning said today he was on the – Jim Nill was on the – I think it was on Sirius Radio today saying that he will uh, – that he will not make. He's not going to make his decision till after the uh, until the stars get into the bye week, which means there's they have three games. They have three games left to prove that they are, are sellers or buyers to to their GM. And That's stupid. And I get anyway. I finish your thing and then I'll get. I'll go into my spiel. I don't even know what I have to say on this because it's one of those things where, I mean, I guess if they win, I guess if they win three in a row, you think, okay, maybe I changed my tune a little bit, but this team has been terrible on the road. They have, they haven't given, shown anything to be, they haven't shown us anything all season to show they can compete. And then after the trade deadline, they're going to have 10 out of 14 on the road. I mean, right. It's that's, and that's my whole thing with this is I get, I get diplomacy. I get not wanting to throw the team under the bus or say, you know, we suck. We're just going to pack it in right now. I get, I get all that. And I get not, obviously as a GM, you're not, you don't want to tip your hand. You're not going to sit here and say, yeah, we're packing it in. We're up. Everyone's up. Every, you know, these UFAs are up for sale because then, you know, you're going to get GMs calling you saying, Oh, I'll give you a conditional fifth round pick for Patrick Sharp. How's that sound? Like, you don't, you don't want to tip your hand at all, but I don't understand what Jim Nill thinks, assuming that we're taking him 100% literally with what he said. I don't understand what you can learn from this team in the next three games that we haven't learned already. And there's nothing— like, what, do you think, what do you think is going to change in the next three games? If you're sitting here on February 13, 2017, and you believe that either A, this team can qualify for the playoffs, or B, this team can do anything other than get shit clobbered in the first round of the playoffs, you're out of your mind and you're kidding yourself. 
Have they won? How many times have they won three straight games this year? Once, once, twice, once. 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 You're going to sit here and tell me this team is capable of winning four of seven games against either any team. Minnesota against against, or, against any, any against any well, team. Yeah, but, right, but against either team number one or team number two in the Western Conference. I, how can you sit here and sit with a straight face and say that that's a possibility at this point? And I get crazier shit has happened, but this isn't like 2012 when the Kings went, or was it 2014 that they won as an eight seed? I don't remember. Uh, 2012, they won, they won as the eight seed in 2012. This isn't that Kings team where you have a goalie who finds an extra level in the playoffs, where you get timely scoring. It's just there's, there's nothing about this team that says – they do anything other than roll over and play dead in the playoffs. Well, and, and I wrote this, and I wrote this, not the eulogy, but I wrote the that you need they need to embrace the sellers mentality. I wrote this after the loss to Ottawa the other night um, on Thursday, where they lost three to two, and as we mentioned, uh, Hoodler scores into his own net. Where you're at a point where whether you like it or not, you have to. You have to accept the facts on this. They're not going to be. They're not a good hockey team. There's there's no trend that shows they're a good hockey team. There's not even. It, this isn't even like where where you look at like Boston or you look at like like Boston or the Islanders where they fired their coaches and now they're doing good things. Those teams we looked at Boston. We said, oh well, Boston was a really good possession team. The Stars don't even have an underlying stat like that where we're like, oh well, this shows they're they're just unlucky. They don't, right. There's nothing even like that. There's no other. There's no underlying trend that says, "Hey, if we go and trade for another winger, or if we, uh, even if they were to fire their coach, what is it? What is it? Even that wouldn't spark them right now. There's nothing about this. Uh, there's nothing about this group. There's no underlying fact where it says, "Yes, they need this push in this direction via trade or this to get them." There, there's nothing to prove that. So, find out what you got with the kids. Find out what you have with the kids. Give some other kids a chance to play big minutes. Play Julius Honka every game, and let Patrick Eves go win a Stanley Cup somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's even like you can't sit here. I mean, not that they're going to do this, but like, there's no reason to keep guys like Dan Hamuse on this team. There's no reason to keep Patrick Eves on this team. There's no reason to keep Patrick Sharp on this team. The, o- the, the only thing that is going to come from waiting to trade these guys. I mean, granted, granted, a little bit more with Pat, not as much with Patrick Sharp because if he can, you let him go out a little bit and continue to play well so he increases his value. But you look at a guy like Patrick Eves, his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. He's having an unbelievable hockey season right now. Yeah, and he's, 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 he is, he's a guy, I mean, I'm starting to believe more and more that he's a guy that could probably net you either a first-round pick or a, like a high B-level prospect. And I only say this, I say this because Patrick, with Patrick Sharp, even with his pro-rated contract, there's a chance that for a team, they're going to have to move some salary around to make him work. For Patrick Eves, you have to do none of that whatsoever. You have a guy who can play in all situations. He can play anywhere in your lineup. He re- very realistically could hit 30 goals this year. And I believe I believe Patrick Eves, I think, I'd have to do the math to be exact, but so he's only got a million-dollar salary. So yes. for whatever team trades for him, that's only going to be 400000 on the cap, roughly, because we're already past the halfway point of the season. Um, yes. The, so the star, I believe, it, I think the math is, and I might be off slightly, but roughly whoever trades for Patrick Eves is just looking at $400,000 on the cap for a guy mm-hmm. that's got a career high with 21 goals right now and goes to, and 
even more so, not even just his goal scoring. Patrick Eves is the type of player where I could plug him in on any team and he'd succeed because of how he's playing his game right now. He goes to the right, he goes to the right areas. He can play that spot on the power play. And you can put him on, say you're, I don't know, say you're Chicago looking to trade for him, a team that's looking to make a move and, and, and try and find that winger because they keep saying they've been looking for that winger to play for Taves. You could trade for Patrick Eves. He could be that winger that plays for Taves on the first, plays with Taves on the first line, or you could put him on his, on his fourth line. He would be just as successful. He is, and I think, I think you're right. I think you could get a, easily get a, maybe a conditional second that becomes a first, maybe a high level prospect for Eves because the demand for him. Let's be honest. There's 26 teams in the NHL that would love to have him. Would love to add him right now because there's yes. there's Arizona and there's Colorado who obviously they're they're in full they're they're not going to care. And then you have Dallas who has the third worst record in the NHL. And then every team better than them would love to add a Patrick Eves, especially in the Eastern Conference where those teams are where everyone's looking for some little edge to just get in. Yeah, and. My my biggest knock with Patrick Eves this year, or not even a knock, but the biggest detracting thing against him this year was for the longest time he was shooting up at like 20%. So you're sitting here saying, man, that number is going to come crashing down to earth. He's at 14.8 right now, which is only – it's slight, it's still slightly more than his career average. But the last two seasons, he shot at 15.4% and 12.8%. So there's not much regression factor in there anymore. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I don't, and, and this is the point I brought up to you before we came on. We're sitting here right now and, and only bad things are going to happen from keeping these guys around longer is what next game comes out. Patrick Eves goes hard into the boards and he breaks his ankle. Then you're not, you don't have him for the rest of the year and you can't trade him for anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 like, what? you've got, you, and you've had this, it's the same problem you have with Johnny Oduya right now where Johnny Oduya, I, th- I think has injured himself out of being a tradable asset just because if if a completely healthy Johnny Odilia, someone looks at his his pedigree of winning Stanley Cups, and you look at him as a chance to come in and be a second pairing defense guy for a good team, well, that's great. But now someone's going to look at him and say, well, a is he healthy, and b how do even if he does come back and plays, for one, he's not on this road trip, so he's not going to play before the bye week, which means he's not he's not going to play before the bye. I mean, I mean, I guess he might play Tampa. I guess he could play against Tampa on Saturday, but I highly doubt it. All of a sudden, Odilia has injured himself out of being a tradable asset. Not all of, all of a sudden he did. He, he's already done that. Um, right. And and the rest of your UFAs, you I mean, maybe the one thing I the one thing I hold out hope for with uh, I mean Patrick Sharp. I think he, he, Patrick Sharp is going to be a trickier to move because of his salary. Um, but I think if the Stars retained fifty percent for the rest of the season, and I think you can make it work. The other interesting thing is, I mean, the other interesting pending UFAs you have are. Well, Yuri Hoodler, you're not going to get anything for Yuri Hoodler. Uh, I mean, no. Yuri Hoodler, between both his play on the ice and his you know, what happened to him off the ice, if I'm an opposing GM, I would not even go near that. Um, no. And so then you have Lori Korpakoski and Adam Cracknell, who maybe, I guess, maybe for those guys, maybe you can get a fifth-round pick. I mean, if, if, if Vernon Fiddler gets the New Jersey Devils a fourth-round pick, Maybe Adam Cracknell or Lori Korpakoski can get you a fifth-round pick. And I'm saying maybe, just for a team that looks at those guys and says, hey, we want a bottom six depth guy. But that's still, that's why you need to move Patrick Eves to make some make something out of nothing with this group of UFAs right now. Right. Right. And, I mean, the only thing that, I mean, we said, you I mean, you keep these guys as around, there's a chance to get hurt. I mean, it's also just delaying the inevitable. This team's a bad road team. 
after the trade deadline, what'd you say? It's like 10 of 14 on the road. 10 of 14 in March are on the road. Yeah. Like what possible metric could you be looking at? That's telling you that the stars should at least stand pat for any more time than literally right now. And I get you want to wait to make the best deal possible, but I've seen this rodeo before. I've we've been I've been down this road at least three different times with this team where they're sitting here, they're six points out of the playoffs, heading up to the trade deadline. The GM says, No, I think we're gonna go for it. I think we have a chance to make the play like making the playoffs isn't good enough. Just getting into the playoffs is not good enough. I don't understand why there's this fast like this is like the same thing with people been talking about with the Red Wings for the last five years. They're in a real shitty position right now. Because they've been infatuated with prolonging this playoff streak instead of just starting over and rebuilding. And you know what it's gotten them? It's gotten them in a position where they have a bunch of guys who are aging and a bunch of mid-level prospects who are starting to come up on this team. And they're just not a very good team right now. And, the, and Detroit has reached a point, too, where you're, you'd like to think that, I mean, had they, had they gone bad, had, had, they, had they been bad, and I'm not, I'm not saying tank, but just start to rebuild you'd at least have something to build around Dylan Larkin. Now Dylan Larkin is going to play for a, a crap team for the next four years. <laughs> yeah, because they have no one coming up. I mean, you have like you have a guy like like Andreas Athanasiu who looks – God, boy, I saw something. He has as many five-on-five goals this year as Alex Ovechkin does in like 200 less minutes. He's going to be fantastic. That's another great find by that scouting department. But, other, but they just – I mean, you have Anthony Mantha who's kind of struggled, who looked – when he was in, in the queue, he looked like he was going to be a big-time scorer – and he struggled with his transition. Who else do they have? Gustav Nyquist is, I mean, he's going to be out for God most of the rest of the season after the shit he pulled this weekend. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's been a guy who kind of, who's kind of plateaued. Thomas Tatar just fell off the face of the earth. They don't have, you don't want that. That's, that's the word not to get too far off the point here, but you don't want to be that. Well, and, 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 and actually it's a, per, we're not too far off the point because it's a perfect comparison because you look at Dallas models themselves after Detroit in so many ways. Just yes. from, from Jim Nill's time into Detroit, the I've talked to the scouting department. A lot of them have come from Detroit. Uh, Jim Lights, who's on the more on the business side, but still also comes from comes from Detroit, where they model themselves after the Red Wings so much. And this is a way you don't want to model yourself after the Red Wings. Right. You you want you need to embrace the fact of. You need to maximize your assets now. You need to take a look at what you can do to actually build this franchise and this team going forward. Because the other thing that starts to become real interesting, in, uh, not, not next season, but the following season after that, Tyler Sagan's a pending UFA after next, after, not after the fall. So we're in the 2000, uh, oh, what year is it right now? I'm 16, we're, we're in the 16, 17 season. So after the, uh, after the 2000, Tyler Sagan's a pending unrestricted reagent after the 2018-19 season. If you continue, if you don't make the most of this season, and all of a sudden, say next year starts to snowball and looks just as bad, all of a sudden you have maybe you have that black cloud over your season of well, Sagan's a UFA at the end of this season, and you have to start dealing with that two years from now. Yeah, and that's right. something you don't want to deal with. You want you want to be able to. You want him to be happy. You want him. You want to be able to go into next year, have next year be a good year, and you want him to be able to saddle up next to Jamie Bed and sign his six-year, seven-year extension before that season even starts. And you, yes. you need to lay some groundwork to actually have those opportunities. 
Right, exactly. And, it and I mean, we, we're in an NHL right now where there's a premium placed on good, young, cheap players. And the Stars have a lot of those on their roster, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at guys like Devin Shore, Brett Ritchie, Rick Fox, guys like that. Those are guys you want on your roster because it helps you keep your good players, obviously, sign with big, long contracts, but it also helps you fill out the bottom of your roster without – you know, signing better old washed up veterans for the league minimum and throwing them out there for five, six, seven minutes a night and hoping that they can kind of just tread water. There's not a lot of those guys coming up in the Dallas system right now. They basically everything, the strengths of the Dallas system are in the NHL right now. There is not a lot of reinforcements coming up. And now we're getting to a point where these guys we're getting, I mean, not immediately in this next off season, but we're going to start getting to a point where these guys are going to need new contracts. And when they need new contracts, what are you going to do with the bottom half of this roster then? Because you're not going to have guys to bring up. It's a perfect opportunity right now to restock your farm system because you can trade off guys like Patrick Sharp, Patrick Eves, maybe Dan, Han, Dan Ham Hughes, but I, probably not as much him. You can trade these guys off and start to restock your farm system, get a high pick for next year without doing, a lot of, without doing really any damage to your future roster. Yeah, because I mean, Patrick Eves is still a guy you can bring back in the offseason if you really want to. All everything you've told me seems to point that he loves playing in Dallas. There's no reason to say you can't re-sign him after the year. But I mean, was Patrick Sharp going to be here next year anyway? Like, you're not taking a lot off of next year's roster by selling these guys off right now and just saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's hit the reset button. Well, let's let's." park this season right now and just start looking forward to next year well yeah and of, of the uf the pending ufas you have between of, i believe eves is probably the only one eves you'd want to resign um maybe adam cracknell if you look at a guy for just because of because of how um because of his cap hit and how right. he's he's one of those veteran guys that they signed to tread water who's actually done more than that yes and so he's a guy who i'd i'd, I'd want but but Lori korpakoski i don't I don't bring back Lori Korpakoski. I, I see. De- I don't bring him back. I don't bring back Oduya. I don't bring back. I certainly don't bring back Gary Hoodler. Um, and uh, I mean, Alice Hemsky. So I was. <laughs> I mean, I, I had. This probably won't happen because he uh, he won't be ready in time for it. But I, I had mentioned. I met. I, I I think I had texted you earlier today about the fact that. So we find out, we knew, we kind of had a feeling, but on Saturday, Lindy Ruff confirmed that Alish Hemsky will play again this season. Um, and I don't know whether that means him playing again this season means he'll play the last game of the season or if he'll play the, or if he's, I mean, or if he'll be back sooner. But in a perfect world, what if you, what if you get Alish Hemsky back for, what if you get Alish, what if Hemsky is skating this week and all of a sudden you can play him on February 26th or 25th, I think the Stars play that day. Um, play play on that day. Let's say they play the Bruins on the 26th. Say they play the Bruins on the 26th. You get Alex Hemsky in the lineup, and then they also play the Pittsburgh Penguins on the 28th. You play him on the 28th, and then all of a sudden, some team says, "You know what? Hey, we'll take a sixth round flyer on Alex Hemsky." <laughs> like, yeah. Now that might exactly. now that might be that's probably not going to happen. That's but. probably not going to happen. But I'm I'm, I'm looking at, at at ways to uh, to salvage things for the season and and to to add a little bit more because. The other problem with the stars too, and I was look, I took a look at this the other uh, last week with my bell ba- when I was going through my mailbag, where their last couple drafts have not been very good. Um, now it's, no. it's it's too early to judge the uh, you can't the, the 2016 and 2000, the 2016 2015 draft we can't put a 
judgment on it right now, but the 2013 draft, um, you, the only guys, there's only two players from that 2013 draft that could actually have an NHL future. And one of them is, and one of them is Val Nichushkin. So, I mean, that's there, there's that. Um, and then the 2014 draft, you only have the only, the only two potential NHL players that it's looking like out of that group are, uh, Honka, Julius Honka, and and maybe John Nyberg, who is a I can't remember if he's a fifth or a sixth round pick, but those, you're only you're looking of of fourteen picks, but I think it was sixteen picks between 2013 and 14. Only four of them are looking like potential NH, future NHL players, and one of them has already caused one of the biggest headaches this franchise has dealt with in, in Nachushkin going back to the KHL. Mm-hmm. So you I mean you need to you need to restock some things because. I went and watched. I went and watched te- the Texas Stars play this past weekend um, down at down in Cedar Park, and there's some good players. There are some good players, and I think for and some good stories. And like for example, Matty Stransky is a is a guy who has taken major steps forward with his game and looks like a and looks like a guy who could be a cup of coffee player in the NHL. However, the problem is he's on their top line right now, and I'm not. And this is not to rip on Matty Stransky in any way whatsoever, but. If a guy who's a potential cup of coffee player is on your is, is your top is one of your top line forwards and your leading scorers in the AHL, that says a lot about what the rest of the lineup is. Right. Because it's you want that you want. I mean, you take a look at so when the when the when the Sars prospect system was loaded and it was stacked. You take a look when they won the Calder Cup in 2014. They had they had uh, Radic Fox who was the third line center on the team that won the Calder Cup. Just just mm-hmm. just to put that into perspective. I mean. So that, and now the system has guys like the entire fourth line was ECHL guys. The third half, the third line was ECHL guys and, and the goaltending. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother snafu down there. The goaltending is a guy who they just guy who they signed, who's been, who they started, they traded for and Justin Peters, who is not going to be part of this organization next year. It's, it's the system is, is very, is, is very dry and, and you hope and you'd like to think and, and you take a look. The problem is you don't have you, – you take a look in, 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 in juniors and college and you ho- and there's some projects there, but they're all projects. That's the problem. Like Nick, Nick Camano and Flint, he's a good player. He looks like a good player. However, I have questions. It's, it's one thing to be a scorer in the OHL. It's another thing. Can he make right. that transition? Um, right. you, you look at uh, – uh, Chris Martin in, in Ontario, with uh, with London in the OHL. He's been he was sure he won a, a Memorial Cup last year, but the fact that he wasn't ready to play in the AHL this year, the fact he wasn't ready to play in the AHL this year, and he went back for his overage year scares me because a guy, mm. a guy I've seen I've looked at the Texas Stars defense and that guy and Chris Martinet with his size, and I know bigger players take longer to develop. Whatever he should have been, he should be he should be farther along than he is. Um, now Riley Tufty's looking like Riley Tufty, I think is starting to look like that player who's going to be really good, but Riley Tufty is three and a half years is at least three and a half years from playing an NHL game. You need to go and you at need least. To, oh, at least, at least, I mean, I mean he's probably, he's got a three, he's probably got three and a half years. He's got three and a half years of college left still. I mean, maybe he comes out after his junior year, but it's one of those where if it behooves the stars not to rush it. Um, right. This is, I mean, this is why, and we've said this from the beginning. You need to take a look. You go if, if you can trade Patrick Eves, and I'm not saying somebody would give you a deal like this. If the Edmonton Oilers can get an NHL player, a second round conditional pick, 
and a, a B-level prospect, Brett Pollock, for Chris Russell. Patrick yeah, Calgary. Sorry, yes, Calgary. Sorry, Chris Russell. Obviously, <laughs> Chris Russell is obviously Edmonton now. But with Calgary, you can get Yurki Okapaka, an NHL player, a B-level prospect in Chris Russell, and a second-round pick for, for Chris Russell. What's saying the Stars can't get a package similar to that for Patrick Eves? Like, why? Right. And especially with, there's going to be, you can create such a bidding war with Patrick Eves. Or, I mean, that's the one thing I think. You talk about Jim Nill trying to hold his cards close and not tell people. The one thing I would do is I would say the, the, the market's open for Patrick Eves. I would declare that. I would make, I would make, and maybe he has to other GMs because I'd want people, I'd want to drive the price up on Patrick Eves. I want people to think, I want the, uh, I want the New York Islanders, who are all of a sudden in the playoff race after after coaching change. I want them to think, "Oh crap, we could add this guy. We could we could put a we could we could add a guy who's got twenty plus goals to our wing." Um, but the rest of our division is also going to try and add him too. All of a sudden, I want to start driving up that bidding war for Patrick Eves, and yes. and maybe he's already said that in closed conversations. I don't know, but that right. Well, and we I should we should give this give this to Jim Nill is he's he is a guy who does who's not like this is an organization that's not very leaky with their yes the shit they're doing behind the scenes like a couple years ago that Sagan trade on 4th of July I don't think anyone saw that coming no I don't think it's just to say that that was just completely out of the blue and like what just happened mm-hmm. so I mean I'm not going to sit here like a like a kind of what you said I I don't think he necessarily needs to and I guess this kind of contradicts what I said earlier about saying we're going to evaluate it over the next three games, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, there's no reason for us to, I guess, taking the, the devil's advocate point of view now, that there's no reason for us to sit here and say maybe he's, he's not pulling things behind the, behind the, pulling strings behind the scenes right now. Well, and the interesting thing to track and, and to watch is I'm going to be, and, and, and so they've got, they're on the road, and, and they're on the road for the next two games. They play Tampa on Saturday. The other interesting thing, and maybe, maybe it sets it up this way, all of a sudden if – other teams are smart. Other teams know the stars. They probably look at it and they know the stars aren't going to be a playoff team. I'm interested to see what teams are closely watching the stars. What scouting departments are closely watching the stars this week? Because you've, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got, for example, I mean, you've got they play. Uh, Tampa Bay is technically still in the playoff race, right? Technically. Yeah, they're only four points out of the wild card. Yeah, right they're only four points out of the wild card. So the Stars play Tampa on, on, sa- mean, on Saturday. If the, the Stars play Tampa on Saturday, if, if Steve Eiserman's watching that game and Patrick Eves has another strong game and or, or even just has a, a crap game but still scores a goal and shows that he can, he can be that guy that can put the puck in the net, who knows? Maybe something like that turns into that's where your deal comes from. I mean... Right. It's... I understand having faith and, and wanting to, and maybe it's a motivational tool, but you need to, you need to maximize and you need to, you need to sell, you need to restock your system. You need to build, build other pieces around. Cause right. I mean, we're, we're looking at a point right now, just looking at the standings, the stars are, have to be, I can't even, I can't even do this math right now because the Kings have two games. They're six points behind the Kings for the last wild card spot, and the Kings have two games in hand. Like, well, so basically, we're, if we're going to assume the Stars need to be basically ten points better than the Kings over their last twenty-five games to make the playoffs, and we can assume the King. I mean, if you want to, like, if you want to assume the Kings are playing five hundred hockey, if you want to assume that, so if they got two games in hand, you can assume the Kings are eight points ahead right now. 
Like, yes. Yeah, so. I mean, it's, and I go back to the prospect system, and, and for example, I went, and I have a story, I just I wrote a story today that came out on, uh, on Dennis Garyanov, and he's been it's, been, it's been fun to watch him, and a 19-year-old kid doing all of that and everything, but he's really, when, when you go watch that team down in the AHL right now, when, uh, between him, Dickinson, and Honka, that's, those are really the only three you look at that are future NHL players, and you feel confident saying, yeah, those guys are going to be in the NHL. I mean, you'd... Right. It's, it's a, uh, you need to, you need to, you need to not follow the Detroit, as we said, as you said earlier, perfectly need to not follow the Detroit model to, to where they are now. And the stars don't even have like a 24 straight years of playoffs on the line or anything like that. So why, why? It's, it's not even like there's a reception. And I, and honestly, I think the stars fan base, I think this is a fan base where if you, if you sold, if you if you became a seller at the deadline, and you uh, and then you made a couple moves in the summer to fix the goalie problem, and the goalies aren't the biggest problem. We know we know that we've we've addressed that before. But if you made this, if you made the deal over the summer to get Philip Grubauer, like I want them to do, um, all of a sudden, and, and then you uh, and then you have a top because they're going to get a top. I mean, right now they're looking at possibly getting a top five pick. And you and you get a top five pick, and you you make a mover in summer. It's those type of summer things that you know what it galvanizes the fan base a little bit, and you don't lose that much of. I mean, you can't lose them any more than you already have. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, like the guys, the people who are still paying attention, they're they're smart enough to know that. Hey, you know, sorry, we're trading these guys, but it's part of the big picture that we got going on right here. The people who are still paying attention are smart enough to realize that. Yes, exactly. So, um, real quick before we start to wrap things up, kind of a cool thing, but I will, I do have to question the, uh, I got to question the PR 101 of the announcement, um, <laughs> is, uh, so the stars announced on Saturday at 11 that they were going to retire uh, Yuri Lettinen's number next year, which, which I think is, I think is more than deserved. He'll be the, uh, He'll be the third player in the franchise history who played in Dallas to have his number retired and obviously played all 14 years in Dallas. He won three Selkie trophies, won a Stanley Cup, was, I mean, more, more than deserving and, and, and great for them to celebrate and, and have the uh, 25 years of, uh, to celebrate next year with the 25 years of the, of the stars being in Dallas. However, why are you announcing it at 11 o'clock on a Saturday before a game on a day with 13 NHL games? And you had nothing else on Friday. I just—I don't know, man. I mean, it's—I I mean, what, what's your favorite uh, Yuri Latin in memory, or if you have one? I don't. I mean, I don't know that I really have one specific Yuri Latin in memory. I, I just—I mean, he was always a fun guy to watch because he wasn't flashy. Just—I mean—that I pulled up his hockey DB page right now just for. Just for the fun of looking at him, I mean, he, he scored thirty goals twice, but he was always a consistent player. He was always, always I mean, he kind of towards the end, they were a little more injury prone than um than during his prime years. But I mean, he's a guy that you associate with that golden era of Stars hockey: Madano, Zubov, Newendike for a bit, mm-hmm. Ed Belfour, Marty Turco. He was he was part of, I mean, he was part of my childhood growing up, really, because he was. I mean, he's one of those most recognizable players on those late 90s, early 2000s teams that were 
consistently dominating in the Western Conference. I did, he was he was the guy that I did, so I didn't grow up a Stars fan, and we've talked about it before. We talked about it about five or six podcasts ago. We talked about how I grew up a Devils fan, and my Devils fandom died about four or five years ago now. But uh, I just always remember him as a as someone who didn't watch the Stars all the time growing up. I remember him as being that guy who you you he was the type of player that you tried to prove you knew your hockey knowledge by knowing he was a good player. Like it was, it was like one of those things where you'd be where like in the late nineties and you're talking about good players and everything like that. And, and then you'd, you'd try and like brag and prove you actually knew a bit about hockey by talking about the guys so like, Oh yeah, well, Yuri Lenton's a damn good player too. <laughs> he was a, he was a, he was Louis Erickson before Louis Erickson existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think, uh, you think Zubov is, is next then? I hope so. He played here long enough. He had enough of an impact here. I would say that. I mean, I don't. I mean, his numbers basically is sort of because I mean it's the same thing with like Madano before they retired his number in Letton, and I don't think anyone's worn fifty six since uh, since he left here. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, there's that, and then there's also uh, I don't I don't think anyone else right now. I mean, I know some people could make a. You could make a case for, I guess you could try and make a case for Belfort or Turco, but I don't think either of them have, Turco never won a Stanley Cup, and not saying that t- stand, winning a Stanley Cup is everything, but, and, and I don't think Belfort played here long enough, I mean, but. No, Belfort was only like, yeah, five, six years, I think, hold on, let me, let me confirm this, two, three, four, five, yeah, he was, he was only here five years. Yeah. And he kind of unceremoniously left. Yeah, if I remember correctly, how that kind of all, all went down. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think Zubov. You'd have to think Zubov would be up there, and I don't. And I guess you could try and make a case for Marty Turco. I don't think anyone's worn uh, thirty-five since Turco. I don't know for fact, but um, I don't think so. So you guess you could make a case for that, but right. The other and then and then you're probably looking at after that after that discussion. Since he's signed here for seven more years, maybe number fourteen at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure if they if they keep him for well yeah he's what twenty six yeah. So I mean he's got his. It was seven years or eight years. Eight year deal. Yeah, so that'll take him here till his mid thirties. I'm sure that. I mean, I don't if there's even an NHL then, but no, I mean then you look at Sagan too. If they get him signed up, that's yeah. another guy you're looking at too. Yeah, John Klingberg maybe down the line. But I thought they were trading John Klingberg, Ryan. Or if I'm to believe Twitter, people transition to that point. Yeah, yeah. Transition to that before we left. I know, I know. If I'm to believe Twitter today, people will think John Klingberg's getting traded. I don't understand this whatsoever. From any from any logical point of view, if you think John Klingberg is getting traded, you need to just stop. Just stop. You don't need to slow your roll. You need to stop your roll. You need to relearn hockey or something and then just i don't know go hide somewhere for until the trade deadline's passed because i can give you probably about seventeen thousand reasons that john klingberg's not going to get traded one he signed for the next after this year he's got five years on his deal after this at a incredibly reasonable 4.25 million why would you trade that like there's absolutely no there's no reason to get rid of a defenseman who has the offensive potential that he does who's making that against the cap for five more years. 
Two, he's having the worst season of his career. We, we're all aware of it. Mm-hmm. Why would you trade a guy whose value is at its lowest that it's ever been? Uh, and, Speaking of asset management, that is not smart asset management. He's uh, and I don't care what I don't care what his trade value is right now, whether you want to say it or not. If you were to, if you were to say if all every, all thirty GMs, even even Vegas, let's, since there are thirty, the other thirty GMs in the league would all gladly pick up the phone if you said, "Hey, I'm interested in trading John John Klingberg." Every yeah. single team in the league, yeah, would be especially with his con. I mean, if, if anyone remembers, who anyone who listens, remember the contracts we talked about with some of the guys on Boston right now. Oh yeah, and yeah. Some what some of those what some other defense? Krug is making a million more dollars per year against the captain John Klingberg. Is who would you rather? Oh, I'm not going to ask that question because don't, everyone's going to say fucking Tory Krug. But <laughs> but that's Dallas has been looking for a puck moving guy to basically they've been looking to replace Sergei Zuboff since he left ten years ago. Or when did he leave? Hold on. Almost ten years ago, they've been looking to replace Sergei Zubov, and they have him. He's having a bad year. You know why he's having a bad year? Because teams are keying on him now. Not that they weren't keying on him as much. Not to say that they weren't keying on him last year at all when he was having a fantastic year. But they figured out his tendencies. They figured out how to stop him, and now it's on him to adjust. Sometimes that adjustment takes some time, especially for a guy who's 24 years old who's played coming into this year basically a year and a half of NHL games. It takes time. Let's calm down. Let's get off John Klingberg's case because he's not the only – and that doesn't help that everyone else around him turned into a pumpkin too. Mm-hmm. Like he's not the only one on this team who regressed this year. They all happen to regress at the same time, and that's not helped his game either. I mean in last year he had – he's got a – he's had a new – he hasn't had a – he's had a revolving door playing on his on his right point this year or his left, left point this point, year. Instead, yeah. so he's had – he had the, the safety of Alex Goligoski last year, which – I mean, as much maligned as he was, it wasn't always necessarily warranted. But he had that he had that pillar next to him, and then in the offseason they knocked that down and said, "All right, we're going to get you someone. We're going to play you with someone else this year." And that someone else has turned into six other guys at different points in the season. Well, and, and they're that, trying to establish that continuity right now. And also, once again, sometimes it just takes time to develop chemistry. And they're trying to develop that continuity, and they're trying to force it down their throats way too much right now. Right. Like I like I I actually like the potential of Essel Lindell and John Klingberg as a long term pairing. However. When the stars were still were still a team that could potentially be in the playoffs, and they were having a bad game, why were they still on the ice with four and a half minutes left in the game when mm-hmm. when Dan Hamhuis and Jordy Ben that game were playing zero event hockey? Just it's yeah. it, it, that nerd. For one, we went from the revolving door to now the forced narrative of they're our top pairing and they're going to play no matter what, while the other four yeah. are we're just going to throw right. shit shit at the wall and see what sticks. I mean, yeah. Right. So, I mean, and then you can, and along that line, you can make an argument that his minutes have been mismanaged this year. Completely. So, Completely. So, so it's not like, I don't understand why, you know, after 57 games where John Klingberg, what did he finish fifth in the Norris voting last year, where everyone's ready to pop his head on a stake and run him out of town. He's not getting traded, though. Don't just stop. Just do yourself a favor. Everyone do yourself a favor and stop clamoring for it because it's not happening. And if you think it's going to happen, you're an idiot. If you have a problem with me calling you an idiot, you can find me on Twitter, and I will be happy to tell you why you're an idiot. He on Twitter is at Ryan Skoviak. If you can figure out just how to spell his name on Twitter, good for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's also partly why I'm not worried. Uh, with that, everyone, 
Thank you for listening. John Klingberg is not getting traded. Hopefully, <laughs> pa- hopefully Patrick Eves is traded. Um, next week is the uh, his, for his sake. Yes, for his sake. You know what? And Patrick e- Patrick Eves could look really good lifting a Stanley Cup for Chicago Blackhawks because that who knows? Uh, uh, let's not let's not say Chicago. Uh, oh, he could okay. look really good lifting a Stanley Cup for like let's just say the Rangers to pick a random team who okay. I don't know. I want to see win a Stanley Cup. Okay, fine. We'll go with the Rangers. That's fine. So, everyone, thanks for listening. Once again, I'll repeat it one more time. John Klingberg is not getting traded. <laughs> um, neither is Jamie Ben. Since I also, I'm going to put a. Since I saw there was a quick Twitter commentary and quick, like someone asked me if the if uh, the Stars should trade, try and trade Jamie Ben and Niemi for Pacioretty and Carey Price. Oh, I saw that too. And for yeah, what? The stars would gladly do that. The stars would gladly do that for one. Yeah. Uh, Montreal would. Montreal wa- would be like, uh, what? Yeah. And so that Mark would. Birch of, Mark Bergevin would hang up on Jim Nill and then laugh at everyone in the room. Yeah, and and, and then and then and then Mark Bergevin would never ever trade with Jim Nill ever again. He'd never answer yeah. the phone again. <laughs> so that's what that type of deal would be. So the potential conversation. Sorry. Well. They're not trading Jamie Benn. They're not trading John Klingberg. They should trade Patrick Eves. They should trade Patrick Sharp. They should try and trade Dan Hamhuis if they can find some. If they can find a deal for him, and you need. I just want to. I just want to see the. I just want to see over the final month and a half of the season. I want to see the the young kid experiment work out and see what you actually have. I want to see more games of Jamie Alexiak and Stephen Johns together. I want to see if they actually can be if they can be a big physical shutdown pair and play consistently for the rest of the season. I want to see Julius Honka play the rest of the season. I want to see what you have so that when you go to uh, when you go to expansion draft time and decisions will have to be made, you're actually making decisions based off data as opposed to, well, he might have done this. So, Right, yeah. Let Dickinson come up. Let Jamel Smith come up. Maybe Gurionov come up. Let these guys audition for the, a role on this team next year. Yeah. Well, with that... Everyone, thanks for listening. Have a uh, have a good week, and uh, I think we'll do, we'll do another podcast during the bye, but it'll be a shorter one where we'll just talk about how the stars really need to trade guys once again. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, everyone.